Well, Happy New Year to you, church. Come on, let's celebrate it. We're here. Happy New Year, church. Jesus Christ is the king of the new year. Is that true? Amen. If you didn't receive a bulletin when you came in, raise your hand. Ushers have plenty they want to give you. You can make great paper airplanes out of them after church. You can use them. Hopefully the notes, you can use the notes to share with your coworkers, um, whomever you might come in contact with. Not as it's, a, it's an expert guide, but it comes to the place. It's not a theological treaty, but it is the word of God that you can actually share with someone. And there's a lot of scripture. So if you take notes today, which I hope that you do, because today is a day that's very controversial. So when I read this passage of scripture, it's only seven verses we're going to read today from this primary text, but we've got to go back and look at a little bit of history. So I want you to do, we talked about this morning in prayer time, when we got here together and prayed this morning. And if you go squirrel hunting, what are you looking for? Squirrels. Uh, if you see a turkey, what do you do? Ignore it. If you see a deer walk by, what do you do? Don't shoot it. It's not squirrel, not deer season. You ignore it. What are you looking for? What are you going to try to shoot? Squirrels. Some of you have never been squirrel hunting, so you don't know the answer to the question. You're looking for squirrels, all right? You're looking for squirrels. Don't shoot anything else but squirrels and shoot, you, uh, shoot as many. Now, I would advise you to shoot past your limit because I don't like squirrels. Squirrels are just under cats for me. They're, they're a tree cat. So we just, uh, I've, we've killed 62 squirrels on this campus. Uh, we found someone was catching squirrels and they thought this would be a great place for them to live. So they were catching squirrels in their neighborhood and bringing them to Town Creek and letting them go. So if you go out and look at all the holes in the, in the columns, those are called squirrels. It's against the law to, to rehabitat, if you will, squirrels. You can't take them from here and put them in somebody else's yard or take them out to the woods. You can't do that. DNR will find you for that. So somebody was doing that for, for us, and the squirrels couldn't live in the trees, so they dug in our columns. And when I got here almost 12 years ago, we had squirrels in the building. And um, that, if you look at all the nice holes we have around the campus, that's uh, in the artificial stucco. That's thanks to someone bringing us squirrels. So we've, we've done a good duty of uh, catching them and um, seeing to it they went to squirrel heaven if it exists. All right? Take your Bibles and let's turn to Acts. We're getting back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19. And uh, I'm excited to get into this journey. Now, today I told you it's controversial because there's at least four denominations we talked about this morning that have formed over this passage of Scripture. This passage of Scripture, if you take the Bible and you go looking for something in the Bible and you want the Bible to say what you want it to say, guess what you're going to find? It's just like squirrel hunting. You're going to find exactly what you're looking for. But if you come to the Word of God and say, God, would you reveal your Word to me, guess what you're going to find? His revelation. He's going to show you what His Word says. And sometimes we try to compound His Word. We try to make it, especially preachers, we're the worst. We want to make it sound so difficult to understand. We use large words so that it sounds like you need to come to me to get the answer. And I want to tell you, church, listen, the same Holy Spirit that inspired Paul to write those words is the same Holy Spirit that will give you understanding of his word. You don't need me. You don't need a pastor or a priest. You don't need anybody but the Holy Spirit of God to lead you. As, as uh, Mike read earlier, the scriptures of the scripture sealing of the Holy Spirit sealing us to the day of redemption. Uh, there's a gift that the Bible is given, uh, tells us about in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. There's gifts given to the church. Well, did anybody get a gift at Christmas? Raise your hand if you received a gift at Christmas. Did anybody get a gift you did not like? Raise your hand. It's okay. Your family's watching my TV. Or, did anybody get a gift that you did like? 
All right, good. All right, so the gifts, and, and did anybody get a gift you can actually make practical use out of? You can actually use it for something. Anybody get a gift? Those are the best. Even though they're not very loving, but they're very useful. Those useful gifts. Now, what would happen if you had a whole list of useful gifts under the tree you were given, and then all of a sudden you just say, I'm going to use this, I'm going to put them in the attic because I don't want to wear them out. I want to save them for a different day. And you never use them ever. And you sell them at a yard sale sometime in the future. Was that gift, did the gift get used as it was expected to be used? No. Same thing for us in the church today. God has given gifts in the church, and he expects you to use those gifts for his glory and for the edification or the increase of his church. You have a gift to bless him, his name, his kingdom, but also bless the local church. You have a gift given to you, so I don't know what my gift is. Well, hopefully we can dig in and find your gift here in just a little bit. We're going to be doing place ministries. Uh, uh, Chris, I, I bumped that in the bulletin. We're going to be doing place ministries coming up. That actually is a great assessment for you to find out what are your gifts, what's your personality, and where should you be serving in the church? Because church, listen, you should be serving in the church. If you don't have a job in the church to serve in some capacity, something's wrong. Do you understand? If you're not an usher, deacon, teacher, servant in preschool, instrumentalist, and you're a Christian, you are totally out of the will of God. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? I'm new. The Bible doesn't say if you're new to a local body, then you don't have to worry about your gifts. You've been given a gift to be used by God. You have to, even if it's a word of encouragement, a phone call, using writing postcards, you have a gift to be given to the body at large. Let's get into the word. I, I see some of you looking at me, I don't have anything and I'm mad at you. I can see your faces. I know who does what work at church, right? So when I preach that, I know some of you aren't doing a hill of beans worth of stuff. You're not doing nothing. And some of you are killing it. You're trying your best to, to serve God by serving and doing the most. That's not good either. There's a job for everybody. Y'all ever heard of the 80-20 rule? What is it? 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people in the church. Is that true? No, it's not. It's 90-10. 10% is doing the work. Listen, this is sin. If you say the 80-20 rule, that's sin. We have, we have so used to people sinning against holy God that we've come up with a rule called the 80-20 rule or the 90-10 rule. 90% of the church is in sin against God and 10% are in the will of God. Not that you serve in the church makes you in the will of God, but in that, that excuse that we make or 80-20. How can God bless a church like that? Can he bless a church like that? Who is he going to bring the blessing to? To the 20 to the 20. You go back and look at the, the, the ways of God. Go back from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You look at the ways of God. If you do it God's way, church, what happens? You get God's results. Now, I'm thankful for everyone who serves, but my heart breaks for those of you that aren't serving. You don't have a mission. You're just showing up, waking up in the morning. It's a new year. Happy New Year. Next year, happy New Year. Next year, happy New Year. And before you know it, you're 100 years old and you die. If you're saved and go to heaven, God's going to say, listen, I gave you a hundred years to serve me. And what did you do with it? Well, Lord, I was busy and I, I had a family and Lord, I had this business and Lord, I had this. And there's no excuses when you get to heaven to see the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You will give an account for everything said and done in this life. Church, that's what we preach Sunday after Sunday. We don't do it as an exercise just so you can come to church and gather and say, wouldn't it great to be in the church of God today? Or the pastor really preached too long today. Or I like that song. Or I'm hungry. Or none of those things. It's so that we can actually equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Your ministry, my ministry. Let's read together the first seven verses. But we got to go back and look at some things. 
Paul asked this one question, which is the title of my sermon today. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? If somebody asked me that question, the answer is, yes, I received the Holy Spirit when I believed. I want to show you something. This is divisive today. You think it's a simple passage, but it's very divisive today. Verse 19, verse 1. And it happened, or it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. That's John the Baptist, by the way. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. You say, aha, there we go. That sums it up in a nutshell. I want to show you some things about John the Baptist, because we need to know his baptism. And I gave you some scriptures. Let me look at some of these scriptures. Six to seven hundred years before, six to seven hundred years before, John the Baptist came on the scene. There was a prophet named Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 to 5. I'm not going to read it, but it was a prophecy that there was one coming before the one coming, right? There was a prophet that was going to come. He's going to say, here's the one. He's going to make the way straight for the one that was coming, and the one that was coming was the Messiah. So it was prophesied in Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, some six to 700 years, depends on what your range is when you study, said he was coming. There is one coming that's going to preach in front of the one that's coming. Almost like when the king comes to town, he sends all of his forerunners out front. They run, the king is coming, the king is coming. Do you understand the idea? You see the idea? The footman ran ahead and announced the king was coming. John the Baptist was the footman. He was the forerunner, the Bible calls him, of Jesus the Messiah coming. John had to come first before Jesus was revealed. John had to because God said so. And if God said so six to seven hundred years before, guess what had to happen whenever the day of revelation came? It had to happen just as it was written because God always stays the same. He never changes. So Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5, you can write that down from your notes. If you're taking notes, go back and read that on your own. 400 years before, the last prophet of the Old Testament, what is the last book of your Bible in the Old Testament? Malachi. That was the last Old Testament prophet before the New Testament except for one guy. What was his name? John the Baptist. So from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew. So when you end in Malachi and you start Matthew chapter 1, there's 400 years of quiet. God's not saying anything. It's just quiet. And then all of a sudden, here comes on Matthew. We, we see the lineage of Jesus, and then we see the, the announcement of the Christ child. We see, obviously, come through with Matthew and Luke, tell us the story of Jesus. But we also see the recognition that there's going to be this John the Baptist born. John is a New Testament. He's in the New Testament, but he's the last Old Testament prophet. Is that a mouthful? He's in the New Testament, Matthew, but he's the last Old Testament prophet. John the Baptist still had to come to the place of keeping the law. So the question is, I, I thought about this myself when I was scratching my head and studying about John the Baptist. Who baptized John? Who baptized John? You come to the place and say, we don't know the answer except that he was baptized in his mother's womb by the Holy Spirit. Come and look at this. Look what it says in, in 
Luke chapter 1. We read this over Christmas. Luke chapter 1. Look with me, if you would, just so we can see the start of this young man. When he started out, God had a plan for his life. He said he was coming, and he did come. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. We pick up this, we tell in this on the back of the Christmas story. Now Mary arose in those days, and she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, here, listen church, this is, this is come to pass. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She'd come to the place. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And she goes on the blessing, and then Mary gets into the blessing. And then we keep reading, we find out John was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Do you understand? So John was prophesied he was coming. It was a miraculous birth that his mama gave birth to him. And now he's got a ministry, and he's, he's a woolly booger. He's probably one of my favorite characters when children Sunday school. I used to see he dressed in camel's hair, right? And, and eating crickets or locusts. We'd say locusts, but it would be crickets. He'd dip them in honey and was eating them. I thought that was the coolest guy on the planet. Long hair, shabby guy, and coming in preaching. Thus said the word of God. There's one coming after me. I can't even tie his shoes. That was my favorite, favorite Sunday school. If you're a Sunday school teacher for children, listen, teach that one, especially to the boys, to keep their interest. And maybe bring some crickets that Sunday and some honey and dip it and let them eat them. I don't know. It'd be experiential learning in, in that case. But as a baby, it was miraculous. John's message, let's see, what did John preach? John the Baptist, go with me. You got to take a little bit of time before we get into your regular notes. Matthew chapter 3, I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 3, because you got to set a background so you'll understand the present scripture that we're in. Matthew chapter 3, this was John's message. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. When you're there, say amen. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I told you a few weeks back, where is the kingdom? The kingdom is anywhere the king is or his authority is. Is that true? So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who was at hand just behind John? He's six months younger than John. He's a relative of John. What's his name, church? His name is Jesus. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is coming. You ever sing that song when you were kids as well? The king is coming. The king is coming. No one else heard that song? Y'all help me sing with me, right? The king is coming. The king is coming. Chris, heard the trumpet sounding his face I'll see, right? It was, so the song was just, it was just a saying of the kingdom was coming. Now, it's talking about the Lord Jesus coming back. But John the Baptist was preaching the king is coming, the kingdom. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is right here. And what did the people do? They were nervous inside. They come to the place. Watch what they did. But verse 3, for this is uh, he who was spoken of, the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. That's Isaiah 40, what I gave you earlier. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was crickets and wild honey, locusts and wild honey. Somebody's going to come up to me after church and say, Pastor, it wasn't crickets, it was locusts. It's a special Middle Eastern locusts. Look, it was crickets and honey, right? Anybody interested for lunch? Eating grasshoppers and honey? Dip, dip, got a little crunch and soft in the middle, right? 
would have fit nice at Taco Bell. Verse 5, then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. What does it mean to repent? It means to say about your sins what God says about your sins and to turn away from them. God says your sins are ugly. God says your sins are sinful. God says your sins are evil. God says your sins are vile. God hates your sins. Amen? That's why he died on the cross and put all the punishment for your sins and my sins on the cross, on Christ. Because he hates sin. So John preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And everybody started coming out confessing their sins. I have sinned. I've cheated on my taxes. I've done this. I went down. And John baptized them because he's preparing that dough, that heart, just for the baker. Just for the one that's going to set it right. He's preparing the heart for the one that's coming. It's going to say, listen, now, you've repented of your sins. Your heart is softened. Now receive me as your Lord and Savior. You understand how it's working? God had a forerunner who said, repent, that people were repenting. It's a picture of Jerusalem. They're turning, saying, okay, we're getting ready for the Messiah. He's coming. They understood what John was saying, that finally the Old Testament Scripture is going to be fulfilled, that the Messiah is finally going to come and be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. They got it. They understood. Do you understand this morning? So John's, John comes to the place. Watch what he does. Of course, he's going to see the Pharisees. Verse 6, and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees, he didn't believe in repenting of your sins. And Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from this wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these rocks, from these stones. And then he goes on to prophesy that even now the time has come to pass the Old Testament time, to come into the New Testament time. He's going to come into a time of worship. Matthew chapter 3, 13, watch what he does. He baptized the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John, to the Jordan, to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately out of the, from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Who was that? John saw, Jesus saw, the Holy Spirit coming down, if you would, lighting on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Who was that? God the Father. Listen, church. Some people said there's no trinity. Here's a good picture of it. God the Son's being baptized. God the Holy Spirit lights upon him in a symbolic way to show he is God's only. And a voice comes from heaven who can't be seen and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? You can't argue with it. You've got to come to the place saying, okay, let's interpret it a different way. Let's look for something. Let's look for turkeys while we're squirrel hunting. What do you see here? I hope you see a big fat squirrel, right? People say there is no, there is no trinity. Don't, don't get off into the trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Muslims will say, you Christians serve three gods. He is one God in three persons. You say, well, I don't fully understand that. Well, join the crowd. Neither do I. He's God, but he reveals himself in Scripture. So what do I do? By faith, I trust him. You ever said that before? Lord, I don't understand this. But your word says this. So by faith, I trust you. 
What you say is true. You are truth. Jesus Christ is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. John 14, 6 is what Jesus said. He is the truth. So when we come by the way of God, listen, we follow his ways. We follow his words. Now, there's a lot more to this. We need to keep reading, but we'll, we'll transition. Let's go over to John chapter 1, and then we'll get back to our text finally. John chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you're there, say amen. See if you beat the, beat the pastor. Y'all cheated. Just kidding. Was it on the screen? Is that why you're there? John 1, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was, what is his name, church? This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that's Jesus, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which comes, gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. That's Jesus. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But this is the good news for you and for me, right? Thank Jesus. Thank God. Listen, just thank the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is in the Word. But as many as received him, that's Jesus, to to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again in John 3, 3, who was he telling Nicodemus has to save you? It's got to be Jesus. It's belief in Jesus. What did Paul preach? What did Peter preach everywhere they went? Believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And after you're saved, what do you do? And in order to show your obedience to the Savior, you follow through with baptism. That's biblical baptism. That's believer's baptism. That's why we preach it. That's why we do it. That's why we show it. That's why we read about it. Because God said it to do it this way. The church, do you understand? Y'all are still asleep in the new year. Listen, wake up. Do you understand? This is what God says to do. And this is why we do it this way. This is why this church spent all the money when they built the church with a big baptism pool with a big tank of water while our water bill goes up every time we baptize. That's a good thing. Pay the bill all the time. Every time someone's baptized, there's a new one coming into the kingdom. There's a new one expressing their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a new one expressing their obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, I'm just satisfied. I was sprinkled when I was a kid. You might be satisfied, but God is not satisfied. Amen? Well, pastor, I was baptized as a baby. I was christened. Who gives a hill of beans, right? If you will find christening in the Bible, I will change and start preaching christening. I'll start christening every baby that's born in this church. You will not find christening in the Bible. It was made up by the Roman Catholic Church. It was a man-made. Listen, he says, you have come to place again. Let's read verse 12. But as many as received him, that's means I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in Jesus' name. Do you understand? It's belief in Jesus' name first. Say it with me, church. It's belief. It's belief. Come on, y'all say it's belief. It's belief in Jesus' name. That's how you're saved. That's where faith comes from. You express your faith by saying, I believe in the name of Jesus. I've never met Jesus physically. I've never had dinner with him. Have you? I've had lots of dinners with him. Didn't see him, though. He hasn't revealed himself physically to me, but I know him. I talked to him this morning, multiple times. I asked him just before I came, I sang to him just now. When I was worshiping, I wasn't worshiping with y'all. 
Even though we were together, I was worshiping him. But I was telling him how great he is. When I'm here, Mike, read the scriptures, say amen to the scriptures. I would say, Mike's such a good reader. I wish I could read like him. I was saying amen to the word of God, that I was given a gift by Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. I was saying amen that I was sealed to the day of redemption, and nobody can take it from me. No man gave it to me, and no man can take it from me. He said, well, if somebody shoots you between the eyes, Scripture says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We can't lose, Christians. We can't lose. It's a new year. It's a new day. Listen, this is a new message. This message is 2,000 plus years old. But we quit telling it for some reason. Why? We're afraid. We might lose my job. I might be persecuted. You need to read 1 Timothy chapter 3 in the last days. What's going to happen? Perilous times are coming. Y'all think this pandemic fits into a perilous time? Excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3. These are perilous times. We live in the day that Scripture says was coming. Wars and rumors of wars. There's more things happening. Children being disobedient to their parents. Go down and read the list. Lovers of money, lovers of things, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It's happening today. We live in that time, and I believe it's time to look up. Now, after that sermon, we got to get into the other sermon. Let's get into this. So we understand what Jesus said. <laughs> Jesus come to the place and said, listen, but no greater man born of woman like John the Baptist. Let me show you something from John chapter 135 just real quick. But you need to read all of John chapter 1. Again, the next day, John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus, he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And there they looked. Could you imagine if I yelled, Oh, look, the Lamb of God. And you turned and looked and said, Wow, Jesus. And you turned and looked, what would you do? I'm following John because, man, this guy's right. He's my kind of man. We're dipping in honey all the time, and he's preaching like crazy. He's calling out the legalistic religious people. I mean, he's he just preaching hard. This is my kind of man. But yet, the, my kind of man turns and says, listen, I'm making the way. I'm paving the road, if you will, for the one that's coming. I'm paving the road for Jesus. Everything I'm preaching, everything I'm doing, everything I'm saying is for Jesus' sake. I was born for this. And then the man that I'm following said, I'm, I'm his disciples. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a follower of John the Baptist. And then John the Baptist turns and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you got any kind of inkling of intelligence in your mind, what would you do? You don't know, right? Neither did these disciples reading about today. What would you do? Can I tell you what I would do? If you're a follower of someone and someone says that someone else is greater than you are, I like you, I love you, but guess what? Give me a ticket for that bus ride because I'm off this one, right? This is a dead end. If he's greater and he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, I know that I'm a sinner. Guess what? I'm not following John anymore. I'm following Jesus. I want to run to him. Hey, Jesus, listen, John said you were the one that's come. I, by faith, I express it. Listen, I believe it. John said it because he's a man full of the Holy Spirit. He's a righteous, wise man. He said it, and I was his follower. And now I want to follow you. That should have been a big amen right there. Because some of y'all have been baptized and didn't believe. Watch this. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed whom? 35, 36, they're following John. 37, they flip and follow Jesus. Did they make a right choice? Lord, yes, they made a right choice. Lord knows they made a right choice. 
One of them's name was Andrew. And Andrew runs to his brother and says, listen, we have found the one. And Peter comes with him and he brings Peter. Yes, the apostle Peter. Andrew brings the apostle Peter, just regular old Peter back then. He brings him to Jesus. And y'all know the rest of the story of Peter's life. How God used him in miraculous ways. How he walked on water. How he failed Christ, and yet he turned back around and, and he was forgiven. How he was the leader, if you will, of the Christian church. Andrew did that, but Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. If Andrew had stayed a follower of John the Baptist and never followed Jesus, we'd have a whole different Bible, would we not? We would have different men or women that are responsible for the message getting out. But God had a plan. God had a plan for them. But listen, church, God has a plan for you. Why do you resist? Listen, come to the place, and now let's go back to the book of Acts. Paul the apostle, prior to the event, had preached in Ephesus. A very eloquent speaking Jew named Apollos had also preached in Ephesus previously. Apollos preached John the Baptist's message of baptism of repentance. Come get wet and confess your sins to God, basically is what the message was. John the Baptist also preached that all should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So church today, if some of you, if I, don't raise your hand because I don't want you to be embarrassed. But if I said, who of you in this room are followers, are disciples of John the Baptist? And you say, well, well I am. Then you're, you've believed in vain. John the Baptist is dead. As Mike talked about, any man could die for any person, right? But just a supernatural God can die for us be in the grave three days and rise again the third day according to the scriptures. We don't serve a dead, crucified Savior anymore. Listen, we serve a resurrected Savior. We serve a Lord Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and for me. That should have been exciting right there. Listen, he's making intercession. All the dumb things you do, all the sinful things you do, he's telling the Father, Father, this is what Clint meant. This is what he was saying. When I confess those sins, he says he's faithful and just to forgive them of sins and Cleanse him right back up. So that when the Lord looks at me, he sees Jesus' blood covering Clint Smith. Y'all look at me like you've never done dumb, sinful things, right? You are. You're sinners. I know exactly what you do. You have bad thoughts. You say bad things. You do bad things because you're a sinner at your very core. Your heart is evil above all things. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Scripture says so. I don't care how holy you look, how nice suit you walk around with, you got bad thoughts entertained in that head. I don't care how old you are, you come through, listen, we're all tempted because Jesus Christ himself was tempted, but he did not sin. So what do we do? Lord, help me protect, put a hedge of protection around my family, around my brain. You know my nature. I want to go to the negative. I want to look at that longer. I want to read that longer. I want to do that longer. Forgive me, Lord. And he says, you're forgiven. Let's go. Now watch this. This is some pretty exciting stuff. John preached baptism of repentance. God gifted Apollos with the ability to speak eloquently. This man could preach circles around most of the guys of his day. He also gifted him with the faithful followers of Jesus, Aquila and Priscilla. Here's a gift from God. Aquila and Priscilla to explain to him the way of God more accurately. If we, like we read before Christmas in, in Acts chapter 18, Apollos is preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching, and he's preaching John's baptism. And Aquila and Priscilla pull him aside. Hey, brother, hey, listen, you got everything right except the fulfillment work of Jesus Christ. Listen, brother, you're preaching it exactly straight, man. You sound great. 
But you forgot the final chapter. And the final chapter is that Jesus Christ did come. John said he was coming. He did come. He did die for all men's sins. And he did rise again. And he's alive today. Paul said, well, are you serious? I've been missing that teaching. Nobody taught me that. I was always taught all the way up to John. That was correct until John went off the scene. John said, I must decrease and he must Come on, church, what does he say? I must decrease and Jesus must increase. So Aquila and Priscilla taught the preacher the final chapter. Now, can preachers learn things? Amen, we can. We learn it constantly. Can church members speak into the life of a pastor and help him learn something in a better, more better way? If you study something, especially you study something explicitly like baptism or whatever it might be, a language, the answer is yes, we're all in the body of Christ. Anybody that won't learn from another brother or sister, listen, is ignorant. Unless they're teaching the ways of men. When you say like this, my grandma used to say, wrong reference. Your grandma is not my authoritative source. Amen? I know you love your granny, but she ain't. She's not the authoritative source. Well, my pastor always says, "Mm -mm." unless it's aligned with Bible, your pastor is not your authoritative source. What's your authoritative source, church? Hold it up. We used to say with kids, children, word up. That's from the 80s. Word up. This is your authoritative source. What this says, listen, what this says is what I can do and who I am, right? Who God makes me to be. This is how I understand baptism. Now, last dive. Let's go. I'm going to bust through your notes really quick because you need to know this. Paul has traveled to Corinth, and that was in Europe preaching the correct gospel, and I say correct, the final. Do you understand what I'm saying? He preached the final chapter. That's what he's doing now. He, he has been enlightened, if you will. He's gotten the truth. Aquila and Priscilla has exposed him to the truth. The Holy Spirit's convicted him that this is now true. And he does not have, listen, this is one of these crazy things are happening. They don't have the finished copy of the Word of God. It's in the making. As we read this, they were living it. And, of course, who wrote the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit inspired Dr. Luke to write it. He's, he's writing down what's happened. They're living it, so they don't have the scriptures fully yet. And they're living the scriptures. Paulus goes and finishes the correct gospel at the same time Paul arrived in Ephesus, which is in Asia, looking to strengthen the church. You see what's happening? You got a preacher over here preaching the gospel in that sin-sick city of Corinth. And then you got... Paul over here on missionary journey again. He's back trying to strengthen the church. Listen, hang in there because when I leave, there's ravenous wolves going to come in. People in fine clothing going to come in and tell you, uh, listen, that preacher had a little bit of things mixed up. Let me tell you the more excellent way. And they tell you their way of doing things. If their way don't line up with God's way, listen, they're false prophets. Is that true? Paul and Jesus himself said they're coming. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like a sheep. They smell like a sheep. But if you go to brush their teeth, they got canines that will eat you. You understand? When you see them smile and those teeth stick out, how do you know a wolf? A wolf can fake it only for a short time. Eventually, he's going to take a bite out of this sheep. He's going to miss and take a bite out of this sheep. And eventually, he's going to pull this sheep over. Hey, let me talk to you for a second, brother. Let me tell you about the pastor. Let me tell you about that deacon. Come here for a second. Let me talk to you. Before you know it, that wolf has routed that sheep, got them off into sin, and would devour that sheep of God. There's Christians who are led astray. Don't be fooled, brothers and sisters. I don't care how old you are. You can be led astray. I talked about the pastor last week, week before last, 
broke my heart that I heard about. Listen, it's still breaking my heart the more stuff that comes out about him. It breaks my heart. I told Wendy and I've told my family, I would rather die, lightning bolt, bullet, whatever it might be. I'd rather die to ever lead one myself from God, but my family astray or our church astray. I'd rather die. I wish God strikes me dead. And I wish you'd pray that, Lord, strike the man dead, Clint Smith dead, before he has a chance to lead anybody astray. I would much rather be in the presence of God, listen, than be here on earth and lead people astray. God forbid. That does break my heart. You can't tell. Listen, Paul found disciples in Ephesus. They religiously followed a portion of what they knew of John's baptism, teaching given to them, most likely by Apollos. Do you think God's timing's perfect? Got Apollos who finally got the final version of the document and said, you're missing Jesus' resurrection, Apollos. He gets fired up. He goes to Corinth. I'm going to the, sin, the city of sin. That's where I'm going. I'm going to Las Vegas. I'm going to preach on the strip that Jesus Christ is the only way. He's going to sin city. He's been in Ephesus preaching, but he's been preaching John's baptism. So he hadn't been, he's been preaching the incomplete message here. He went over here with a complete message. Y'all see the difference? Who comes in to finish out his message? Paul did. Some people said, and you'll see later, Paul says, some of you say I'm for Apollos. Some of you say I'm for Paul. Some of you say I'm for Peter. Some of you say I'm for Jesus. They, people follow preachers. Did y'all know that? They, they'll follow people. They look How many people and icons did you listen to in music? My favorite artist is, whatever it might be. People follow people. Paul said, God forbid, Christ is the one that, did I die for you? No, Christ did. He sets it straight. So Paul and Apollos, even though Paul was an apostle, Apollos was a great, great speaker. He drew you in. He brought you in. And now he's over here preaching in Sin City in Corinth about the whole counsel of God now. Paul has to come up, and he has to kind of, if you will, mop up after Apollos. Apollos has been in Ephesus preaching John's baptism. But there's one coming. That's kind of where he ended it. And he would go to the next place. And there's one coming. And there's one coming. And so his disciples, how did Paul know they were disciples? They must have been praying or something. They were doing the things that, do you think John's original disciples prayed? We know they did. Do you think they followed the law? We know they did. We can read from Scripture. Because John's disciples looked over at Jesus and said, hey, they're eating on the Sabbath. They're actually pulling husk on the Sabbath. What? You sure he's the Messiah? Because we're John's disciples. And that's what Apollos preached. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Here comes Paul in Ephesus. Good morning, church. Aren't you glad, glad that he came? He came. He came. He preached the whole chapter. He finished the book, if you would. Hey, he came. Remember what I preached to you before? That Jesus was the Savior? He's the only Savior. When he found these 12 men, how do we know there were 12? The Bible says so. He comes in and says, um, when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? The answer is they only believed in John's baptism. They only confessed their sins. They never received Jesus Christ because they didn't know. They said, we don't even know if there is a Holy Spirit. We've never even heard of this. Then what does he do? I'm telling you the rest of the story. And that's what he does. Watch, look what happens. He gives them the rest of the story. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you think Paul would allow somebody to be baptized if they didn't believe? Come on, y'all know his MO. Y'all know how he preached. What do you always preach? You must be born again. 
That's salvation. You must be baptized to obey Jesus Christ. That's obedience. That's his message every time. He didn't change just for these few fellows. So when people change the doctrine and say, no, 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 you can be saved through baptism. That's a lie. If you were baptized as a baby, if somebody put some water on you as a baby, you were not saved. You were not saved. A baby cannot be saved. Pastor, show me that scripture. Listen, go back and read scripture. Read what Jesus said. You must be born again. You must come to the place that you understand I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I need to be born again. Christ, would you forgive me? I believe with the finished work on the cross, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me of my sins? And the answer is, he will. But you come up and there's smoke and mirrors and the, y'all, there's pictures on Facebook, whether it's true or not, of a priest that don't want to get next to the baby, shooting him with a squirt gun so he can actually baptize the child or christen the child. God forbid we get to this foolish concoctions in our life. Amen? Let's finish it out. Paul preached to these men the complete gospel of Jesus Christ. The men believed and were baptized again, this time in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because baptism was practiced in the Old Testament. Jews would ritually baptize themselves to, in order to show I've been forgiven of sins. I've asked for forgiveness of sins. So baptism as a rite was not necessarily something new in the Christian church. It was a way of actually showing your cleansing before the Lord. So they were baptized in the name of John. And now, lo and behold, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they're baptized in the name of Jesus. Does everybody understand? So is there anybody in the room that's a follower of John the Baptist? If you are, I did not communicate well today. You should not be a follower of John the Baptist, nor should be a follower of the Roman Catholic Church. If you've been baptized before you believed, you are not saved. Do you understand? These 12 men were not saved. They believed in John's baptism. Well, I was, when people ask, when I ask people this question, and if you come to new members class, don't say this because I'm going to point it out to you. When did you become a Christian? Well, pastor, I've always been, my mama took me to church when I was young and I've always been in church. So have mice. Do you think a mice is a Christian? I'm, I'm not being light of it. You can't get saved just by coming. If I come up and just touch the Lord's Supper, watch this. Did I take the Lord's Supper? I must physically take it in, in remembrance of him and take it. It's something I have to receive. You have to receive Jesus Christ. You can't just come up and rub up on the furniture and get saved. Just walk around the room like this and hope that something just rubs off on you that you're just going to or lick your Bible, whatever. I don't know. You must be born again. How many people have I heard, well, I've always been in church since I was a kid. Y'all, salvation comes through confession. You must ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. You must receive him as your Lord and Savior. And when you do, you know that you've been born again. So if I ask you that question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And the answer should be absolutely yes. How much did you get of him? Did he give you a 20% token or did he give you an 80% token? How much did he get, church? This is God. How much did he give you? 100%. You don't have to ask for a second. Now, some churches and denominations have broken off and taken the scripture and saying, listen, uh, you got to lay on the hands for you to receive the, Lord, the Holy Spirit. Some of you grew up in that. It's wrong. Did Paul lay on hands on anybody that we read up to this point? 18 chapters worth that we read that Paul laid on hands and filled people with the Holy Spirit. You don't want to answer because some of you know the background. Your neighbor's afraid. Well, Pastor, I grew up. It doesn't matter how you grew up. What does the Bible say? Come to the place, Wendy and I, I introduced, she's not feeling well today. 
I was watching The Lone Ranger yesterday. Wendy's like, who is that masked man? I said, that's right. <laughs> she goes, no, who is it? And I'm like, I will not. You insult me, woman. You ask me who that is. That's the Lone Ranger, right? I had to tell her I had to do it the way. Hi-oh! So we're good. Some of you know who he is. And then I flipped channels with the commercial, and I went up to a, I'll call it a Pentecostal church, and they were having a camp meeting. And a preacher, y'all know who it is if you turn it on, if you got any kind of, and it's the man's son that comes up now. The, the pastor's still alive, I think. He's old, old, old. But the son's now taking a place. And he comes up, I want, I'll love you to receive the Holy Spirit today. And he called everybody down front. And he said, the evidence of Holy Spirit feeling is by speaking in tongues. You might have said this. You might have heard this. And he said, those of you that are, we're going to be touching. And ushers, y'all, come on, get behind. Everybody get behind somebody. And we come in when I pray, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. We're going to touch you, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So what was he saying? Where's the authority? In his words and in his hands. So you have to look to him, the pastor. Then he turned back around and said, those of you watching my TV, <laughs> although you can't be touched, right? He just invalidated what he was saying, that you had to be touched by my hands or one of my usher's hands to be given the Holy Spirit. How foolish would God do to wait for a televangelist or this kind of concoction to come that you would come to a place you can't receive the Holy Spirit until I say you can receive the Holy Spirit. How foolish would that be? Stupidity is what that is. And stupid's a bad word. Amen? Amen. If you think Clint Smith can give you the Holy Spirit, you got something wrong with you. But it's practiced over and over and over again because people, men, come to the place that they're ignorant of the word and they speak it forth as if it's the fact because that's what their denomination taught, that's what their family taught, that's what their, fa- their, uh, their, their, their friends taught. You, hey, did you, did you get a second baptism? There is no second baptism. When I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he said, I'm going to go away, and when I go away, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send you the comforter. Who did Peter walk around with when he preached at Pentecost? He preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. Who did Paul preach with? The power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says multitudes were saved. Did they run out in the crowd and touch everybody and pray in the name of Jesus? Let me hear you. Go ahead and say it first. Shut up on a Honda, whatever they come up with, and make it fun of the words. This guy yesterday was going... Yeah, okay, good. You got it. You got it, sister. He just kept repeating. It's like, dear God, what a mockery of the word of God. You can't give it to somebody. It's a gift from God. Were tongues a gift? Yes, 100%. It was a gift from God. But so was hospitality that Aquila and Priscilla had. So was a gift of mercy. And you read that scripture that Mike read this morning. 1 Corinthians 12 says, hey, don't be jealous. There's one body. There's one spirit, but there's many parts. Some of you were gift the gift of prophecy. That doesn't mean telling the future. That means taking and preaching forth the word of God. When I said perilous times are coming, that's from 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm speaking forth what God's words already spoke forth. I'm not telling you tomorrow at 12 o'clock, the Lord Jesus Christ come back. That's not what I'm doing. If somebody sets a time, they're fools. The Bible says no man knows the time. Take the word literally for what it says. When somebody comes up and says, I need to lay my hands on you so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. And he even went to the point yesterday saying, I couldn't help but watch. I said, Wendy, this is what I'm preaching about tomorrow. Some of you might not get it today. 
It's like having a sale at Walmart. If you got in front of the line, Black Friday, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. If you get in front of the line, maybe next year. How foolish can we possibly be as humans? God does not play stupid human games. He doesn't play religious games in the church. He died on the cross for our sins that we might be saved, that we might be born again, we might follow in believers' baptism and go forth and preach Jesus until he comes. That's our responsibility in the church, not to play religious, pompous games in the church. God forbid. These men had a baptism like that. We were baptized in the John's name. Well, John's dead. You're religious. You don't know Jesus. And what does he do? He tells them, and they heard this, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, and Paul had laid, watch what your Bible says. If we wrote it in the English language, I'm not the best writer. It would say Paul laid on his hands. But what does it say? What does it say in your Bible? Paul laid on hands. It doesn't say his hands, it says hands. What hands did he lay on them? Paul had something this preacher don't have. What did he have? Big word, apostolic authority. He was an apostle chosen by Jesus Christ. When Paul, Paul could move mountains, Paul could come to the place, he could heal people. Paul could speak to things. Listen, he even had the power if he wanted to because the apostles had miraculous powers. He could heal. He could speak with gifts of tongues. He could do a lot of different things that he was supernaturally filled by God that we can't do as just a natural Christian. We're supernatural, but the apostles had supernatural powers. You're going to see some more as we go to the book of Acts. Finally, let me give you these notes. The Holy Spirit came upon these men. They began exercising the Holy Spirit gifts of speaking with languages not learned and prophesying. These men were forever changed when they entered a right relationship with God. Were they in a wrong relationship before? Absolutely. Now they're in the right relationship. When people of all ages do life God's way, they always get God's results. He is the creator, sustainer, savior, and Lord. Let him lead our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. Church, listen. Don't know what your background is. Do not depend on a man. If I die tonight, I hope that you should follow Jesus tomorrow. Show up to church next Sunday. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ till he comes because he's your Savior. He's your Lord, not me. Not any pastor. Not any pope. I can't change the scripture. I don't want to twist the scripture and say something that I think it says. It speaks clearly what the word of God says. Some of you are frustrated because I preached this and it took a little longer today. Well, get over yourself. Amen? Get, just, get, just, just build a bridge and, and get over it. You need to know that you must be born again. This new year, you need to get with it with God. Some of you are so slight, you'll be fired from the kingdom of God if God fired people. Is that true? Listen, this year, be a person of God. Get equipped for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and quit playing religious games with God. If you're a lost person, get saved. He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. Receive Jesus today. That is your responsibility. That is your choice today. Let's pray. Father God, I pray today in the name of Jesus that we would leave this place. Lord, on fire for you, but not because of something the preacher said or how loud I spoke. Because the word is true. Your word is truth. Father, light a fire unto us. And we know that you give us the fire of the Holy Spirit. Like Paul told Timothy, to fan the flame within us. Lord, we're so lazy. We're afraid of COVID. We're afraid of our boss. We're afraid of the election. We're afraid of the next generation. Lord, we're afraid of everything. Light a fire within us that none of that stuff matters except knowing you and that we can walk forever with you. We bless the holy, 
precious name of Jesus today and for his sake. Amen.